I'll tell you, it's crazy. I mean, I'm literally walking into the draft room at, at about 4 o'clock today, and I, I was sitting with Chris Cortez, our trainer, and just updating several players. And uh, it can, and, and I'm not going to get into any player's medical because I don't think that's even allowed, but at the, it, it's a little bit disconcerting to be walking into the draft room an hour before the draft starts and to still be getting medical updates from your trainer and your doctor. It's just... It shouldn't happen that way. It really shouldn't. On defense. Things got testy. With the 17th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Alex Leatherwood. Tackle, Alabama. Number 70 is 10 yards oh. downfield. Pushing number 18, Clark, out of the way. And as you say, a couple missed tackles, but that's a good block. Come on! Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Was that an Alex Leatherwood blocking highlight from Alabama? Yep. Oh, that's good. That is good work. We got to have those. Okay. I Ed, Ed, I have some positivity for you. We have, we have ragged on the Alex Leatherwood pick for quite a while because, well... They deserve it because they keep doing the same thing every year. But I have some positivity for you because day two of the draft is here. Round two of the draft is here. And the good news for the Raiders, no safeties were taken in the first round. That means Trevin Mooring, uh, the top safety out of TCU. Uh, I think most mock drafts I saw had him in the first round. He's still available. Richie Grant is the other top safety out of Central Florida. He's still available. Now, those both might be gone if the Raiders sit around and wait till 48 to make a pick. But if they trade up, they could conceivably get one of the top two safeties in this draft. And I kind of want to see them do that. I kind of think they can maybe not make up for what they did in the first round. But you can, you can start getting some more value there if you're able to get the top safety on the board in the second round. Yeah, I think from 48, they're going to have to trade up a lot. I think he's going to go fast. Every list, every list you see, he and the Jeremiah Owosu kid from Notre Dame is the one, two best available players. So they're going to have to trade up far. But I'm with you. Again, now we're talking about trading back. Trade up and give up picks. I mean, that's the one position of need you absolutely have to get. And he's by far the best guy at that position. Now, I'm not going to say I know the rosters of everyone picking first, second, and third in terms of who needs a safety that bad. But I'd be calling the first team or the second team and, and, and trying to get in that spot. Um, I'm with you on that. I think they should be doing that, not wait around, which means, again, at 48, they're going to take the safety from Moorhead State, uh, who is not on any boards. Um, but they'll have believed in him because the safety coach will have liked the film. So I, am, I think you are right on that, and I think uh, they should try to trade up. And if they do that, as much as Leatherwood, we say, you know, was a reach, you come up and grab the best safety in the draft, on a position you must get a safety at, then I think they should be applauded. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think if they, and it, no, it d- does d- depend a little bit on what they give up to move up, but assuming they make a, you know, equitable trade to go from 48 up to the first, whatever, three, four picks of the second round. Yeah, I think that that will be a good move. You will probably get first round value with a second round pick, which is what you're trying to do in the second round. Uh, so that would be, I, I think that would be a good job if they're able to do that. 
There's two other names of safeties besides Richie Grant and Trevon Mooring, who are sort of the top two guys that maybe fall to them if they don't move at all. One is Lamar Johnson from Indiana. Um, I know uh, Pro Football Focus, their scouting report on him is that he's got some of the best like ball skills in terms of he's got a ton of interceptions, a ton of pass breakups at Indiana. We just heard John Gruden call Carl Joseph a playmaker. We know they don't have playmakers on their defense. That's one that would be interesting if that can translate to the NFL level of, hey, he can get you some interceptions, get you some more pass breakups because they simply don't have that. And the other name is Elijah Molden, who's from Washington. He played, apparently he was a slot corner at Washington last year. Remember, the Raiders don't have a slot corner at the moment. Mm -hmm. At the moment, it'd be Amik Robertson, who they drafted last year and played like seven whole snaps. So they don't actually have a slot corner at the moment. It's probably a little too early. It's not the greatest value, you should say, to take a guy to play at slot corner early in the second round. But I wouldn't. I don't. Wouldn't think that would be a terrible pick if they could. If Elijah Molden is a great slot corner, uh, Pro Football Focus said he had the best slot corner grade of any college uh, corner last year. If they can take Elijah Molden and he's a good slot corner, I think that's not a bad pick either. Either they need to go defense. I think that's the key here. I would love to see them go secondary and safety. But at the end of the day, even if they wait till forty-eight, all those safeties are gone it still's probably just got to be best defensive player because you can always use a better edge rusher, a better defensive tackle, a better linebacker, whatever in the second round. If they, if they, if they pick like a wide receiver or a running back or something, oh. just burn it all down. <laughs> are you, uh, are you hoping like me that not knowing anything about their uh, draft eligible players, that it's a safety from Clemson? Oh, it has to be. I don't know if there's a safety me... from Clemson on the board. Oh, I don't see one. I don't see one on here. I talked okay. to Dabo a lot of times. I talked to Dabo a lot of times. <laughs> it seems like Mayock makes two calls during the draft process every year. Like Dabo, Nick and Dabo. Sweeney, Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, like, that's who he calls. Like, he has a reminder I mean, on his phone, like, oh, it's draft season. I better make my two calls. <laughs> I, I mean, do... they're not, look, they're not bad guys to call. They're like the best coaches in college football. It's just a little weird that. It just seems like those are the guys he calls all the time. Yes, there there are other teams. <laughs> there are other teams that produce yeah. college football players, even though <laughs> it might appear that the Raiders don't know that. Um, okay, here's here's my other uh, prediction for you. This might end up being a Saturday pick, uh, a day three pick, but I have discovered which quarterback the Raiders are going to draft. Are you ready for this? Yes, because I do not know the answer to this. Out of Arkansas. Standing at six foot six, Felipe Franks. Okay. Okay. A quarterback yeah. that is that big, that big, you're going to look at him oh. and be like, damn, Mariota is yeah. small. Yeah. They are going to love. That. I'm coming uh, back with that reporting. Hold on. They are going to love Felipe Franks at six foot six. The Broncos are going to take him before he ever falls to the Raiders. Cause... I thought John Elway wasn't, uh, wasn't making the decisions anymore, right? I don't know. For some reason, I associate freakishly tall quarterbacks with John Elway drafting freakishly tall quarterbacks. Right, because John Elway loves them. But I thought the Broncos took the power away from John. I thought John Elway was no longer no. making those decisions. He's going to Kool-Aid man his way into the draft room. <laughs> and he's going to go, he's so tall. He's like, all right, I gave you the first four rounds. Now take the big quarterback. <laughs> so... Here's the other the other fun part about Felipe Franks. According to Pro Football Focus, 
He has the longest charted throw they've ever done in college football. Wait, wait, hold on a second. More than uh, Zach Wilson throwing across his body at the pro day? Well, in an actual game. In an actual oh, game. Oh, an actual game. Okay. Not in Felipe, t-shirts and shorts. He okay. threw a Hail Mary, and it's the longest charted throw that pro football okay. focus has ever charted at the college level. Six foot okay. six, cannon of an arm. They're absolutely taking this guy in the fifth or sixth round, and I can't wait because you're going to go to some practice and you'll be like, damn, Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Mariota looks like me out there. If they take Felipe, they might as well just write that million-dollar check to Nathan and say it's been fun. <laughs> they, if they take a quarterback, no. obviously he's, I'd assume he's making the team if he's drafted as a quarterback. I mean, it's not going to be the starter or anything, but you're going to keep him. I guess you can stash him on the practice squad. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's still a good bargain to have your third guy making a million, but I hope no, they no, take no. that guy. Here's here's what's going to happen, Ed. The reason you're taking Felipe Franks, who's six foot six with a cannon of an arm, is because John Gruden watched some Saints games, and he thinks he needs a Taysom Hill. He's got wow. his joker. He's got his joker in Kenyon Drake. Now he needs a Taysom Hill. So Felipe Franks is coming over, going to play some tight end, going to go tackle some people on punt coverage, and then, okay, here's a couple of snaps a game for Felipe Franks to throw it 75 yards down the field. Felipe Franks immediately jumps Tanner Muse in the depth chart. <laughs> Is there any chance, any chance, I can talk the editors in to putting Felipe Franks on the front page wearing a Raider helmet? Oh, please. Yes. Oh, I, that would I, be awesome. I will say I'm oh. disappointed the Review Journal uh, did not have Aaron Rodgers in a in a yeah. Raiders jersey on the front page. What was up with that? I sent it. I like I sent it to you. It's on deadline. It's on deadline. But I want Felipe in one. Anything to make Car Brother number two and three mad. Listen, aren't you already blocked? <laughs> no, Tyler is. I'm not. I'm not blocked. Listen, Ed. Here's here's the idea. You, you have the Review Journal on the front page is Aaron Rodgers in a Raiders jersey. You turn the page on page two, Felipe, Felipe. Franks in a Raiders jersey. You turn the page, uh, Kellen, Ma- Kellen Mond oh, Kellen. from Texas A&M in a Raiders You turn the page, Felipe, or excuse me, Kyle Trask from Florida is in a, oh. just, I want every quarterback still left in the draft every time you turn is a Photoshop of him in a Raiders jersey. I picked up the paper today, and there were 13 quarterbacks in Raiders jerseys. Who's who's hiring me at the RJ? Let's sell some damn papers. You'll sell so many copies of people just to see all these Photoshop. The Carr brothers will buy them all just oh, to be yes. angry. Just to, get them off, just to get them off the street with That's the idea right. that someone might, be, someone might be taking over the job. That's right. Does John Gruden get the paper delivered to his house? Carr's going to be standing outside trying to intercept it before it lands on his driveway now, so he doesn't get any now, ideas. We did just get a tweet from Richie Incognito. Incognito. Raiders, get with us or get run over by us. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. We're getting, we're getting run over by Richie Is Incognito. Is Leatherwood running people over? <laughs> Jared, do you still have the highlight of him blocking 10 yards downfield? Yeah, he's 10 yards down the field. Number 70 is 10 yards oh. downfield, <laughs> pushing number 18 Clark out of the way. And as you say, a couple missed tackles, but that's a good block. That sounds like uh, a penalty waiting to happen when they throw the ball. Well, I think that's – I saw that on Twitter too. Guys, we just got Kenyon Drake and we have Josh Jacobs. We need to be able to run block. And oh, it's boy. like, oh, God. Then why would um, you draft Henry Ruggs? Yeah. So um, 
I also saw that, uh, who tweeted this? I, wa- I wanted to give credit, but uh, over the last two seasons that Leatherwood was called for 17 penalties and it was like top five among offensive linemen in college football last, uh, the last two years. Great. So oh, great. When, okay. when, when we're in week five and Alex Leatherwood's been called for holding four times in the same game and Raiders fans are demanding that the NFL is rigged against them, just remember, Alex Leatherwood was getting called for penalties while at Alabama, the school that doesn't get called for penalties in the NFL. Impressive. I mean, Alabama wins like thirty to seven every week. It's hard for penalties on that on that team. <laughs> I mean, they, when are they ever getting called penalties? They just go up and down the field against everybody. Maybe that's why they scored thirty. All right, here we go. You got a chance to win a copy of MLB The Show Twenty One for Xbox. Caller number six right now at seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. That is seven zero two. Three six four eleven hundred. You will win a copy of MLB Twenty One, the show. Create your dream team in Diamond Dynasty. Play with your favorite legends, flashbacks, and current day players all on your team. So again, caller six seven zero two three six four eleven hundred. You will win a copy of MLB the show. Want to be part of the show? Call the press box voicemail and let us know seven zero two seven two zero four six seven eight and leave your opinion. Bischoff's briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. Bischoff's briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. I am going to give you a little bit of Golden Knights here uh, because the eh, team's going to win the division. But they played Colorado two nights ago. They beat Colorado two nights ago, and they're going to get the one seed in the division. But I do have a concern for the Golden Knights if they get matched up with the Avalanche in the playoffs. And that concern is the concern everybody has when they play the Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. Uh, because Nathan McKinnon is really good, and this is not a problem specific to the Golden Knights. He does this to pretty much everyone. But even though he uh, they didn't win the game, Nathan McKinnon still wrecked the Golden Knights two nights ago. What was interesting is that Pete DeBoer chose to play the William Carlson line against Nathan McKinnon more than the Mark Stone line. Two nights ago, William Carlson's line got about seven minutes at five-on-five five against Nathan McKinnon. Mark Stone's line got about four. And Nathan McKinnon's line crushed William Carlson's line. In those seven minutes, they were on the ice together. Colorado outshot Vegas 13-3. to Like, it wasn't even close. They got destroyed when McKinnon and Carlson shared the ice. Small sample size, but in the four minutes that Mark Stone was out there against McKinnon, Vegas actually outshot Colorado 6-2. to but the problem for the Golden Knights, it's it's not the one game, and it's not the one decision to put the Carlson line out there against McKinnon. If you look at season-long numbers, William Carlson has been on the ice for 50 minutes against Nathan McKinnon over their seven games this season. Colorado has a Corsi and an expected goals of 59%. In 34 minutes against, the, against Mark Stone, Colorado has a Corsi of 57% and an expected goals of of 56 percent 
So it hasn't mattered which line is out there. The Avalanche are still dominating when McKinnon's out there against either of the Golden Knights' top two lines. Now, I do find it a bit curious that William Carlson is out there taking the brunt of that load, that his line is shouldering that responsibility more than Mark Stone. I think conceivably, like the thought process could be that, hey, if the Carlson line takes on McKinnon, then Mark Stone gets an easier matchup and Stone and Pacioretty can score more goals that way. And that's sort of what DeBoer's looking at as a path to success. But the problem for the Golden Knights is, as we've talked about pretty much their entire existence, when it comes to goal scoring, they're a top-heavy team. They need the top two lines to score. They're hoping Matthias Janmark can change that. They're hoping Alex Tuck can continue his good season and change that. Or Tomas Nosek, when he comes back, can change that. Like they, They've got a chance for the third line to be productive. But at the end of the day, it's probably going to be as simple as do the top two lines score goals? Because when they've been eliminated the last two seasons, the top two lines stopped scoring. Against the Sharks two years ago, those last three games of the series, the top two lines stopped scoring. Uh, against both Vancouver and Dallas last year. The top two lines stopped scoring, and that's how they get eliminated from the playoffs. So the problem for the Golden Knights is that when they play the Avalanche, whether they choose the Carlson line or the Stone line, whoever plays against Nathan McKinnon is not scoring because they're not getting shots because Nathan McKinnon is so good that he's getting all the shots and the Avalanche are doing most of the scoring when he's on the ice. So how do they beat the Colorado Avalanche if they have one of their top two lines, like basically eliminated, basically wiped off the board in terms of effectiveness? The other top line is going to have to be extremely effective, and they're going to have to get something from either the third line or Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo and Alec Martinez. Like they're going to have to get scoring from some unexpected source, and I don't know how reliable that is when when, uh, Nathan McKinnon can basically eliminate one of your good lines. I was a little concerned the other night when three or four times the fourth line got caught on the ice. With that <laughs> I'm like, this isn't going to, this can't be good at this point because I'm looking down the fourth line saying, why are you guys out there as Nathan McKinnon is skating by everyone? Um, yeah, I mean, a seven game series, look, it's going to go six or seven. That's like automatic. It's just going to, this, this thing isn't going in four or five if they play each other. Um, so that'll be interesting in terms of who matches up with that line and how good, I mean, he's so good. And I think I told you this the other day. The shots were, what, like 37 to 24? I don't know what the shots were, but I told you this the other day, watching them again and watching McKinnon's line. Man, and I know the Golden Knights are really good, and I don't know if you get this sense watching Colorado, but if they're completely healthy, like you can see why everyone says they're the best team in that division. Yeah, They create so many things around the net. And Fleury was great again. I take nothing away from him. He was also great when they shut him out 1-0. He – I think he lost the uh, – well, I know he lost the Tahoe game to him because Alex Petrangelo, oh boy, here he comes. Um, but <laughs> they create so much around the net because of their speed. It's amazing watching them live and the space they create. So not, I'm certainly not saying the Golden Knights couldn't win a couldn't win a best of seven against them. That's They, they absolutely could, especially if Fleury is playing out of his mind and, and he's the guy. But I watch that team, and I'm like, man, if they're completely healthy – that's going to be a really hard series to win only because not taking anything away from the Golden Knights, but everything you've said about that line and how just they just keep coming and their third line and their fourth line, they just keep coming at you and eventually you give some up against them. Yeah, the, the problem for the Golden Knights with Colorado is that 
Anybody else in the in the West Division? Mark Stone's the best player on the ice every time right. the, the Golden Knights play. He's the best player. But when they play the Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon is better than Mark Stone. Yes. And this season, they've been significantly better than Mark Stone. And that's the problem is that, like, Mark Stone is always the trump card. Mark Stone can always be the best player on the ice, except when they play Colorado. And that might be true, like, you know, for Connor McDavid or if they play Tampa or whatever. There's other players that are better than Mark Stone, too. We just, they just don't play them this year. So, But that's the problem when they play Colorado. And so to win despite that, you've got to be better everywhere else in the lineup. And the Avalanche have better defensemen. Like, they have better scoring defensemen. And the Avalanche probably have better second, third, and fourth lines than the Golden Knights do as well. The only real you know, place that you can see and say, oh, the, the, the Golden Knights have a legitimate chance to be significantly better is goaltending. Even though Grubauer has been really good this year, I think it's fair to say, hey, Flurry or Leonard could outplay Grubauer in the series. So that's the hard part about it is that normally the Golden Knights, even if their third and fourth lines are overmatched by some other team, Mark Stone exists and Mark Stone makes things happen because he's the best player on the ice. That's not true against Colorado. Nathan McKinnon's the best player on the ice. Yeah, and and I'm sorry when Ratton with all those guys are healthy, they're better at two and and Pacioretty's yeah. good, but they're deeper. I mean, they're better two and three or four. Now some of those guys have been hurt and didn't play the other night. I get that Ratton and those guys, but take away the goalie, they're just deeper. You watch their third and fourth lines play. I'm sorry, they're, they're deeper. Now again, it's all you're you're exactly right. It's if they beat the Avalanche, it's it's flurry. It just is, especially over seven games. You can beat teams one off, and it's a one off game on a Wednesday. I get that, especially when the other guys are missing some of the key guys. Usually, it's a cliche because it's right and it's true. Usually, over seven games, you're going to kind of see who the best team is. And unless Marc-Andre Fleury, and I would expect because he's had success against them this year, he will be the guy against them. Unless he's really, really good, they're just not as good as that team. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, that's just my own opinion. I just don't think they are. It'll be goaltending, having an advantage at goaltending, and then at least one, if not two games – you're going to have to win because Matias Janmark and Tomas Nosek combined for two goals. Like you're going to you're going to have to win a game where somebody on your third line has just they score right, twice right. and and you right. end up winning. Like that's going to have to happen over the course of a series or or it can be whatever. Alec Martinez does it or something like that. Like you're going to have to get at least a game if not two where you get goal scoring from somewhere that's just kind of bizarre and it's like, "Oh, Holy hell, Ryan Reeves scored a goal. I guess we're actually going to win this one now. Like, that's what you're going to need at some point to win that series, too. Because, again, when McKinnon's out there, the, the Avalanche win. The Avalanche win when Nathan McKinnon's on the ice. And that's going to be a problem because when you get to the playoffs, Nathan McKinnon's going to be on the ice a lot. They're not going to take him off the ice very much. Hell, they don't seem to take him off the ice very much as is. That, that dude seems to, like, never leave the ice. It's like, is he still out there? Uh, and Alec Martinez, by the way, if he scores those two goals and they beat Colorado, he will have earned his Desiree Reed Francois extension. Because right, right now he wants to come back, and there's no extension on the table. Oh, to I see. So I see. He can absolutely earn that if he scores two goals and they beat the Avalanche. McPhee well, will be signing it in the locker room. Here, come here, sign this. Well, the problem is they don't have any cap space for him. Like even <laughs> he, can, I think, I think he could score. He could score a hat trick and win Game Seven of the Stanley Cup, and they'd be like, "Okay, well, thanks. We don't have any space." But what he could do is, as he's signing in the locker room, McPhee looks over and kind of shrugs at people like Reeves and says, "Hey, I'm sorry." And like, yeah. so they're signing one guys. They're packing up the stuff for everyone for the two or three guys they got to get rid of the sign up. Officially he, he, today, he, the Kraken <laughs> can be traded with. So if you right. need to dump some salary. Yeah. The Kraken so, have made their final expansion payment. They're in the lead. 
He's going to sign Alec Martinez and then take the pen and sink it into Marc-Andre Fleury's back for Alan Walsh to tweet out. Coming up next, Cassie Soto joins the show. She is a used Honda Civic, hates 50% of her dogs, and will never get engaged. Time to mock Raiders.com's Cassie Soto on the press box. Cassie! 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 <laughs> Good morning. Cassie. How you doing, Cassie? I'm so sleepy. Oh, Why are you so please. tired? We were all up oh, late. Be quiet. We were all up Jesus. late. Jesus. Come on. I, I can't you... hang. I can't hang anymore. I'm not in my this, early 20s like I used this to be. Is a, this is a poor acting job. You're not in your early yeah. 20s. What are you, 24? 26. <laughs> Jeez. I'm on the other ah, side. I'm on. on the other side this, now, guys. This is a poor yeah. acting job, Cassie. Yes. Nobody, <sighs> nobody is convinced by this. All right, Cassie. First up, before we get into the Raiders draft, um, true or false? SoFi Stadium is better than Allegiant Stadium. Thousand percent true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Your tax dollars, ladies and gentlemen. We got screwed. <laughs> Not even a question. If if we would have taken maybe two billion more in tax dollars. It would have been right there. We got screwed. So, okay, you you and your family, you're, you're telling me you and your family got a tour of SoFi Stadium and waltzed around in Raiders gear? I, as a representative of Raiders.com, actually wore my same gear. So, <laughs> yeah. My dad was like, my dad was like, bring, yeah, bring all your Saints stuff. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, I'm going to wear all my Raiders stuff. Just do it. And I was like, all right. So I went with it. I didn't want to be the party pooper. Mom had her, her Broncos stuff. I don't know if you can see in the picture her, her custom Broncos uh, Converse. Oh, boy. Did you, did, you review, did you review food from there? Or is that just from last night? That was from last night. No, but I actually forgot to post it. Did you see, Ed? Um, you've been there. They have, like, it's so L.A. They have, like, a champagne room. They have sushi. They have, like, kale salads. A champagne well, room. Does that? I, I was there um, for a game as part of the media. So the, what they had for me is your choice between turkey and roast beef. So no, no. I did not see the sushi <laughs> or all the other stuff you're talking about. Oh, that's unfortunate. Hey, we have a giant fake torch. What do they have on that? Yeah, not and even a real fire. Atrium, a whole yeah. atrium and a lake. <laughs> yeah, there sounds better, Tyler. They have a lake. They you can go visit your uncle on the lake, and he's at SoFi Stadium? There's a whole lake outside. It's incredible. Oh, it is beautiful. I do want to ask you, though, this was a little weird because, you know, the lows and the pitchers. It got, it, by the way, you got a little obnoxious with the pitchers. Just show one pitcher that you're at the stadium. But, like, <laughs> an hour after those pitchers, you people were at a bar with Adam Hill in Las Vegas eating food. How fast does Lowe's drive? Like, within an hour, you, you were back in Vegas. Uh, no, actually we got stuck in like two and a half hour traffic. We drove, <laughs> I don't believe you. we drove, no, we did. We got stuck for like a two mile stretch for two and a half hours. We moved a mile like, oh my God, it was, I think they say there was a, a really bad Thanksgiving traffic pile up one, one year. Um, but I think that was the worst traffic I've ever experienced from California to Vegas. And that is yeah. not fun traffic. Ed, somehow she tweeted that she didn't have internet to check on what the traffic was, but she could send out a tweet. I know it was weird. I couldn't load it. I couldn't load uh, my internet pages. But anyways, yeah, we did. Uh, that was the next day because the plan was Los was like, 
let's make a reservation for 8 o'clock at the M because we're never on this side of town, um, and let's go to the Raiders Tavern. I was like, all right. Well, luckily, we didn't make the reservation because we got home around, like, 1030. So, <laughs> so the next day, he still wanted to go, and our old friend, uh, Adam Hill, just happens to live on that side of town, and, and I think he needed some friends that week. So, so yeah, so we yes. invited him over yes. to dinner. He, need, he needed some. He needed a shoulder to put. Oh. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. hold on. Can I play something for you, Cassie? Like you have, you'll have a different perspective on this sound, considering you work for Raiders.com. But has anyone come at Raiders.com like this? The Las Vegas Review Journal. Nope. I can't. You know, luckily my organization. You know, at Raiders.com, we only make the greatest decisions. <laughs> Did you see who they drafted last night? <laughs> what I'm saying. I back it a thousand percent. I have to, right? Um, I can't say otherwise. <laughs> how much did you hate doing a show with Adam Hill yesterday? Did you see my face on Twitter? Yes, I had. That's why I'm asking. You look uh, pretty annoyed to be within the same five foot vicinity of Adam Hill. Well, what's fun is that that was actually a retake. Um, we had an audio issue after recording that set us back maybe like an hour and a half last night. So we were not the happiest people when we had to redo the entire show. <laughs> oh, that was a, yeah. that was a, so this tweet that says when you have to do a second take from Adam, that's a second take on the whole show, not just that's like a, one segment. That's a second take on the whole show. <laughs> that would be correct. So wait a minute. I don't think wait that's a minute. A Did my minute and a half get cut? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think we had to trim you down to like a minute 15, but you're still there. Oh. Don't worry. I hit my mark. It's like I do things with Jared. I hit my mark, Cassie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mark hitter. I hit my mark for you. You did. You were excellent. TV time. You were excellent. Oh. It was everybody else. That is so, okay, hold on. You and Adam You and Adam Hill both have pretty um, annoyed faces. Which of you, though, was most annoyed that you had to do a second take? Definitely me. <laughs> I think my, my RBS definitely rubbed off on him a little bit. RBS. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't do you know what I that is? Say that out loud, right? Is that TV lingo? No. Yeah, Ed. <laughs> Resting I, oh, female dog. Wait a minute! I just got it. You can say okay. "bitch" on the radio. You just can't call <gasps> someone it. I just you got it. Can? I just got it. Okay, let's move on. Yes, but you can't call someone it. Should I say it? Go for it. Wouldn't be Are the first you time you cursed on the show. That I that is true. It would not be. Would? Yeah. So go. Yeah, go ahead. All right, here, I'll count you down, Cassie. You ready? Okay. okay three, okay. three, two, one. Resting bitch face. Oh, you! The, the oh. last time you were this excited, the last time you were this excited to be on the radio was when we played that sound for you the first time that had your name in it. That's so fun. Can I just come on here all the time and just say that randomly? <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Cassie, you and I need to coordinate so that I can slowly, while while Tyler's in the middle of Bischoff brief, Bischoff's briefs, just slowly pot you up and have you say that. Okay. Uh, oh, I'm kind okay. of bummed because I thought it was something else, and it's a lot worse than that, but I guess we should move on. What did you think it uh, was? Well, let's, let's just move on. You uh, Once again, <laughs> last night, you're tweeting about the media meal, Capri sandwiches. Uh, oh, yeah. So compared to the last time you tweeted about meals, which I think was six seconds ago. Um, yeah, they had, uh, what was it, brisket, like brisket burnt ends kind of thing, um, oh. and that was delicious, but then they had some funky mac and cheese. It was not, not the business. 
Okay, so um, funky is yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was weird. Funky. What? No. What? Like, why? Why was it? It funky? wasn't creamy. It felt very like Velveeta cheesy. Like they didn't, they didn't spruce it up with the fancy cheeses. And then there was like an elote salad or something, but it's like that was not elote at all. So they tried at least. And then I think I got a fruit cup. I didn't bother with anything else. Um, true no. or false, if you were suddenly not working in sports media, you would miss the free food the most. Uh, again, 1,000%. <laughs> I purposefully That's... didn't eat breakfast in the morning because I was like, ooh, I'm going to eat good at the stadium. Oh, man. Brutal. This is, this is one of those things that normal people hate the media for. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, the, the, I can't remember who it was who, like, a couple years ago took a picture of their of the, the media meal and was like, this is unacceptable. And everybody went, okay, bleep you. <laughs> <laughs> the mac and cheese last night was unacceptable. Oh, <laughs> well, luckily you work for Raiders.com, so you can do a write-up. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Oh yes, when's the when's the show? When's the the show on Raiders food? On Raiders food? Yeah, yeah. just I like we, we I need have a... enough content. I could I could right. probably oh. done a show on it. Oh my God, we we all right. So here here's can I pitch her on something real quick, guys? Yeah. Every single tailgate this upcoming season, be stationed next to a grill and do like an impromptu cooking show, where you're just like, huh, what are you putting on the grill there? Well, let me go ahead and try it. <laughs> you you could actually do that and have Starkus next to you mixing the drinks. That I'll tell you what, it's not Ooh. a bad idea to do this because if you do a Raiders.com um, cooking show and, and also uh, file it to the place you used to work at, the Review Journal, that would get oh, yeah. a ton of uh, clicks. I think it would. I think it would, especially if they're oh. all yeah, like the, the super fans, the Raiders super fans, and they're all decked out. People love oh, that. Forget they about it. it. Leading the uh, oh, like yeah. did the other day with the TV show. Mm-hmm. Guys, you should have seen her action on the uh, TV show the other day on our website. She just blew people out. She just destroyed people. Oh boy. Oh boy. Cassie, I worked really hard on that That's show. Right. Sure, I worked really hard. All right. Um, do you think if you gave Archie a platform like Bill Belichick gave his dog last year, that Archie would draft better than Mike Mayock and John Gruden? Archie still doesn't know who Alex Leatherwood is. <laughs> and that perfect. So the answer is yes. He would yes. do a better job. Yes. Yes. He would have gone uh, Taco Bell Chihuahua probably. That's fine. Or, that would have been great. Yeah. That would have been a better first mm-hmm. round pick. I think the Definitely. Taco Bell Chihuahua's dead. No, they've got a gazillion. How about Target well, Dog? Target as Tyler dog said, it might have been a better first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got for today? What's your, what does Cassie Soto do on the second day of a draft for Raiders.com? Yeah, we'll be back at the South Point. So if anyone's at the South Point, come say hi to, to Adam and I. Hopefully our resting bitch face is gone. Ooh, I said it again. Um, oh, oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. It's another drop. Yeah, the Taco well, Bell died in 2009. <laughs> Oh, do you, do you need me for a minute 30 and cut me to 14 seconds? No, we're going to get uh, our guy Vinny. Vinny Bonson. Uh, right. yeah, I you're bet good. you don't you're, cut him to a minute 15. Yeah, Probably thanks. not. No. Shove it in. He's got important stuff to say. <laughs> what was that? Uh, oh, that is. Oh, play it again, Jared. Shove it in. <laughs>
Oh, oh, I remember that. What <laughs> yes. were you talking about? Uh, the Golden Knights not being able to score in the playoffs last year. Shove it in. <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was Ed's uh, tactical breakdown of how they could score more. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. One more time. One more it didn't time. work. Shove it in. <laughs> <laughs> Whacking that thing around. All right. All right. All right. If people are listening to the show for the first time, they have a very bad, very bad image of my. Uh, no, aren't very this, good usually. Uh, yeah, people listen to the show for a long time have a bad image of you. What <laughs> yes, are you talking true. about? That's true. You probably sound better in this segment than ever before. That's true. All right. She is Cassie Soto from Raiders.com. Cassie, we appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Cassie. Oh, Cassie, nobody's, oh, nobody's. too tired at 26 years old. Come on. Hey, Nobody's ever up. been more excited to cuss on the radio than Cassie Soto. She is, she's becoming an old maid, Ed. I'm 20. Well, that that's a good point now, uh, Jared. That that is the absolute best point. Without the ring, and certainly no promise of any kind of engagement, the foreseeable future, she is aging like crazy. If this <laughs> Benjamin Benjamin Buttons, did that guy get older or younger? If this were a hundred years ago, I mean, she'd be well past her prime. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> They don't know this, what they have over there at Raiders.com. This is getting way too playfully misogynistic. Um, Tyler, we have a Golden Knights you. jersey to give away. <laughs> so this is our last one of the week. Don't worry. Cofield and company will have a Golden Knights jersey to give away next week. So listen to them next week if you're only here for the jerseys. But here you go. The phone number is 702-364-1100. We are going to take caller number 21 at 702 702- 364-1100. You will win a Golden Knights jersey, plus be entered to win tickets to the Golden Knights game against the St. Louis Blues on Friday, May 7th. So again, 702-364-1100 is the number. Caller number 21. You get a Golden Knights jersey, and you're entered to win a pair of tickets to a Golden Knights game against the Blues. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. Swing and a fastball is rocketed out to right field. Punched deep and gone into the second row right over the leap of McCormick in right field. Taylor Trammell going deep. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Congratulations to Jimmy. He won a Golden Knights jersey and has entered to win tickets to the Golden Knights St. Louis Blues games on May 7th. Special thanks to Finley Volvo. Swedish elegance and world-renowned safety await at Finley Volvo. Visit them at Finley Volvo. Dot com. All right, uh, this show has adopted an Australian soccer team. We have adopted the Western Sydney Wanderers. The reason we adopted the Western Sydney Wanderers is because we have a listener in Australia who is a big fan of Sydney FC, and Western Sydney is eh, their biggest rival. Uh, tomorrow, well, technically tonight, I guess, 2, 2 a.m., the next 2 a.m. on your clock, Western <laughs> Sydney Plays Sydney FC um, on ESPN Plus if you want to watch it. Uh, Sydney FC hasn't beaten us in like a really long time. It's been like four or five games over the last two years. They haven't beaten us. I know I'm supposed to talk trash, but I'm pretty sure we're about to get beat seven to nothing. Yeah, there's a really good chance we're going to get smoked, but still suck it, Steve. 
Yeah, Steve. Sydney sucks. Sydney's Sydney is red. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's what you say. That's what you do in soccer. When you got rivals and they're almost always red and blue, you claim one is red if they win, the other one wins, you gotta claim the city is blue. Never heard that before? I mean, yes. Which, by the way, now that I think of it, we need to adopt this for Nevada and UNLV. Yeah, I mean, I was, but I was also thinking, like, it doesn't really work when the team has a color and the team we are rooting for is red. What? The team has a color scheme. I think Ed muted himself. No, I'm just I'm just figuring out uh, how to respond because I forgot we uh, we supported this team. <laughs> uh, things have gone things have gone poorly, Ed. At one point, we were in second place. Uh, Is right Man now, City better than these guys? No, yes. Western Sydney Wanderers would wreck All Man right. City. Um, All right. But somehow lose to the other team. So yeah, we've got a weird international ranking in Tyler's. Uh, Tyler's version of the Super League, where all the teams have to play each other, or play in one giant pyramid of of leagues, yeah, Man City would be up there near the A-League. They'd be close. They might might be able to qualify for the Australian League. Um, But our Western Sydney Wanderers have fallen down to ninth place. They are three points out of a playoff spot. Uh, and I think there's like five games left in the season, something like that. Um, so it's not looking good because the top six make the playoffs and we're not in the top six and we're getting way too close to the bottom of the league as opposed to the top. How, what, what is I mean, is it on a table system, I assume? Yeah. What, what do you mean? What, what, what's a, a table is the same as standings. It's just a different word. Oh, okay. I, I thought goals or points were different than, all right, whatever. Well, no, you go by, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero for a loss, and whoever has the most points, that's how they seed them. And then they have a playoffs. In Australia, they have playoffs, which is great, because let's Americanize the rest of the world and get some damn playoffs in here. Okay, fair enough. Which, okay, now, by the way, to go back to this conversation, when UNLV and Nevada play, whoever wins gets to declare that Nevada is their color. So, like, in U- if UNLV actually beats Nevada one of these times in football, they get to start saying Nevada is red. And if Nevada wins, Nevada says Nevada is blue. If that happens, uh, will coaches not get upset if people if media wear a, a weird color to practice the week before the game? No, you're getting in trouble immediately. Oh, God. You're expelled. Which, which by the way, is the all-time dumbest thing. Well, there's a lot of dumb things, but that is the all-time dumbest thing. Like I, like I remember what kind of shirt I take out of my, out of my dresser drawer if, if they're playing Reno that week. Who cares? Win the game. Somebody I think just uh, win the game. I I, I kind of want there to be a like friendly wager, like mayors of cities do for the Super Bowl for the Nevada UNLV game. But like, yeah, your athletic director has to paint their face blue for a week. Well, now hold on, though. Hold on. I told you about uh, Neil Smastrick, the uh, president who at the one in state tournament <laughs> painted his face red. So there has been precedent here yeah. for weirdness about high level officials painting their faces. So, Jared, what you're suggesting is whenever the cannon is repainted, <laughs> yep. the president of the other school just has to put their face there <laughs> yep. and get it painted as well. Correct. Yeah. That's not too bad. I kind of like that. You got to you gotta pay for the plane ticket to the other campus and get your face painted. Yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. Are we, wait, are we doing other school's president or other school's athletic director? Well, this was Smastrick. I mean... You got Sandoval up north. He, he's he's a really smart guy. Be like, I'm not painting my face. 
Like, he's not the former governor. He's like, yeah, it's a little crazy. Yeah, but Neil Smastrick did it. It's like, yeah, enough Listen, said. Anything is better than the hat that Steve Sisolak wore <laughs> yes, with both logos weird. on it. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Just bur- the only thing that unites UNLV and Nevada fans is hating that damn hat. Burn it to the ground. <laughs>